When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Dr. Caroline Leaf and welcome to my podcast, Cleaning Up the Mental Mess. I have great news for you. If you want to listen to this podcast or any of my podcasts ad-free, you can subscribe to my Patreon account. The link will be in the details of the show notes. And you also get bonus episodes in the Patreon account. So things that you won't hear here, you'll hear there. So you have that option. So in today's podcast, I'm going to actually answer some questions on grief. Recently, I was asked some really excellent questions, and I get these questions a lot in DMs and that kind of thing. So I thought I'm going to actually answer these and give you some great advice. So on to today's episode. The first question that I got on grief was, why is grief such a difficult thing to process? Okay, so dealing with loss, as we know, it's so final. I think this is one of the biggest things about loss because grief is linked to loss of some sort and there's obviously different types of grief, but it's so final. And I think it's because of that, that being so final and unchangeable, that's what we really are battling with. And time doesn't actually heal. Time just creates more space enabling us to get a different kind of perspective around this, the issue. So what's happened to you isn't going to ever go away. But as we get more time between what's happened, causing the grief and where we are today, we that space that's created helps us to see it differently and manage it differently. But it's the unchangeability. It's, the, it's, that, it's that finality that really gets us. So... Complicating grief as well is the inevitable feelings of regret. Okay, so it's the finality, it's the unchangeability, and then it's the regret. Could I have done this to prevent that loss, whatever it was? And you know, that tormenting that goes along with that, because you're really tormented, you're really sad, you're really in that place where you feel like you can't cope. So the unchangeability, the finality, and the regret that goes along with it. The second question, why isn't grief linear? I'm sure you've heard of the five stages of grief, the Kubler-Ross model. Well, that is not actually scientific. But for years, we've had this belief, and it's been built into therapeutic applications, that you've got to go through five stages. And it's these linear stages. You do this, then you do that, then you do that, then you do that. Denial. You first deny, and then you have anger, and then you have bargaining, and then you have depression, and then you have acceptance. But what the research shows has shown is that we don't, it's not just this linear model. It's actually this wave and backwards and forwards. And, you know, you might start with anger and then you might swing all the way to acceptance and then you might swing all the way back to denial and then you may go all the way to depression and then back to acceptance. And it's, it's up and down. It's so idiosyncratic. In other words, it's so linked to you, the individual, the context, what's happened. So we can't really put it into this prescriptive, you've got to go through all of these stages. OK, 
Okay, so that, that research observations actually show that grief doesn't unfold along predictable lines and differs with a person's makeup and circumstances. So people naturally move back and forth, and it can actually be damaging to force people to go through those stages or to tell them, you need the stage, you've missed that stage. So another thing is people experience grief in waves as well. You know, you, you like maybe you go through a stage where, where, you have temp, where, where you have a huge wave where it just hits you. And you may have been doing okay for a while, but it just hits you and then you have a complete dip. And then you might have all of those stages like circling around and then suddenly you're sort of okay. And then you get stuck in one stage for a while. And so it's all these waves and cycles that we go through and it's very much up to the individual. Okay, and well, the, the idiosyncrasies, idiosyncrasies of who we are as a unique person. So what are some healthy ways to process grief? I get this uh, this question a lot. So I've got a whole lot of points here, and I'm just going to be glancing up and down so I get all the points through to you. Okay, so people often experience grief in ways, as I've just said, and cope in different ways. And this is so relevant in terms of processing grief. We cope in different waves, and it's waves. Ways and waves. Okay, so you should not judge yourself. So this is the first point, because it's idiosyncratic or it's unique. We cope in different ways, and it happens in these waves. You shouldn't judge yourself. Oh, my gosh. I've been so depressed. I thought I got through. Now I'm depressed again. I've had people say that to me. They say, but I thought I was getting over it. And now I'm so depressed again. I just can't get out of bed. I'm so sad. Or suddenly sort of fine, and then total acceptance, and then suddenly total denial or tremendous anger. Why am I so angry six months later or whatever the case may be? So don't judge yourself. It's what you are going through in the way that you need to go through. Second thing, there is no one way of experiencing grief, okay? And if anyone tells you that there's one way of experiencing grief and there's only one way to get through it, you don't listen. It's really your experience. Then there's a lot of kind of, I've written over here, the prescriptive talk and express as soon as possible or you won't get through it. You may have heard that if you've gone through any kind of grief counseling and a lot of therapists don't do this, so I'm not, gener I'm not generalizing here. I'm taking the, well, I'm not being, pointing fingers at anyone. I'm talking about the general philosophy that has been adopted when it comes to grief counseling. And that is that this, it's kind of almost prescriptive. You have to feel it to heal it. Yes, you have to feel to begin the healing process. But you don't have to stay stuck in your feelings, okay? Because that's going to be counterproductive. So essentially, that you've got to talk and you've got to express your emotions or you won't get through it. That is not scientifically accurate. A lot of research has shown that some people will want to talk immediately and express it and go through those emotions. But there's other people where it's so overwhelming that you just cannot do it immediately. If we want to be healthier mentally and physically, one of the best things we can possibly do is get several hours of quality sleep every night. The brain and body heal itself when we sleep. It really is one of the most amazing processes, even if you're not conscious when it happens. But I know it's hard to get good quality sleep sometimes. Your mind keeps you awake, life is stressful, and there are often a hundred anxious reasons why you can't fall asleep at night. Thankfully, there are also ways we can improve our sleep quality and overall health, including taking magnesium. Believe it or not, around 75% of people don't have enough magnesium. No wonder so many people have sleep problems. But please do not run to the store to buy the first magnesium supplement you find. 
most magnesium supplements use only the two cheapest synthetic forms and, since they're not full spectrum, they won't support better sleeping habits. There are actually seven unique forms of magnesium and you must give all of them if you want to experience its calming, sleep-enhancing effects. That's why I recommend Magnesium Breakthrough by BioOptimizers. Simply take two capsules before you go to bed and you'll be amazed at how much better you sleep and how much more rested you feel when you wake up. For an exclusive offer for my listeners, go to www.magbreakthrough.com forward slash leaf and use Dr. Leaf 10 during checkout to save 10% on your order. The link and details will be in the show notes. I'll never forget when my dad died and I, it was, I couldn't deal with it. I could not process it in that moment. And I remember I had a hair appointment and I actually went to that hair appointment and pretended my dad was still alive and was talking about my dad as though he was still alive. And it took me a good few hours before I could even actually talk about it. And then I remember coming back and sitting on, on my bed and it just hit me and I just burst into tears and it just like consumed me. And my youngest child, who was four at that time, sat on the bed next to me and she started crying with me. And I'm crying and she's crying. And then she suddenly poked me on the shoulder and she said, Mom, what are we crying about? So she had sympathized with me because she saw me crying. And this was a few hours after me kind of going through that denial. And yet, and it, she, she, so she had a deep meaningful connection and connected with me, but then she just wanted to find out what we were crying about. So she cried in sympathy with me, hugged me. And so there was the deep meaningful connection. So she demonstrated something that was so amazing about dealing with grief. And that was that she just was there with me, going through that, kind of literally going through that emotion with me. And then only after it saying, okay, you know, what are we actually crying about? And I know that's a simple example, but it's a really great example to help us understand an idiosyncratic way of how we experience grief, okay? So, and that was one of the next points I wanted to make. Obviously, having deep, meaningful connections and to be there for a person in a time of grief is really important. But a person should never be forced to get it out. You have to wait until you're ready. If someone had told me, you must talk about it right now at that point, I wouldn't have been able to. And it was days before I could actually tell my friends about it. I couldn't talk about it for a while. And that's okay. When I was ready, I did. And then, you know, it's as I say, it's your own cycle. So the prescriptive talk and express as soon as possible won't get you through it has been shown through extensive research not to work as well as has been believed. It appears from the research that people cope better by temporarily distracting, which is what I did. I went and got my head and pretended my dad was still alive. It just was what I needed to cope in that moment and dealing with the grief in their own way at their own time. Okay, it's better to, it's actually better if you're helping someone who's going through some kind of grief is to ask them what they need, not say, okay, talk about it, get it out, which is what we've almost been trained to do, even as in general, in the general population. It's rather better to say, what do you need right now? Do you need me to hold your hand? Do you need me to cry with you? My little four-year-old at that stage, who's now 24, she 20 years ago sensed that I just needed her to sit next to me and hold me and cry with me. That's what I needed in that moment. Okay, so ask the person, what do you need? No one should be pressed into trying to feel this is so important. Oh, and it goes for so many different things. I'm going to read it. So I'd say I'll read it better than I can say it. 
No one should be pressed into trying to feel more deeply or be more expressive than suits their natural style in a prescriptive time frame. So no one should be forced to feel more deeply, to dig, 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 if they're not ready and to go out of their own natural time frame. A good therapist and a good support system is one that allows that person to do it in their way, in their time. We are not an expert, as I already said this, on anyone else's feelings. Okay, so we're not an expert on anyone else's feelings. What have I said here? And so it's always important to acknowledge a person's grief because this will help with activating the resilience needed to process and move through in a way that works for them. So important. So important that I'm going to re-emphasize this point. Okay, so you are not an expert on anyone else's feelings except your own. So if you are helping someone with grief, don't think that you know exactly what they're going through. You may even have had a similar experience, but it's still different. Okay, so it's still different. And so it's really important to acknowledge that person's grief. So don't be an expert, but acknowledge. I see that you are really sad. I'm here with you. I acknowledge that you're in a state of grief, whatever the words are that you choose at work. Okay. And, And as you acknowledge that, that activates the natural resilience we have. It won't take the pain away, but will help them cope better. It activates the natural resilience by you giving them that energy from that deep, meaningful, supportive, acknowledging connection. So I recommend acknowledging, okay? So now for yourself, if you're going through grief and you're helping someone else, acknowledge and then decompress till you're ready, okay? And that decompression can look like what I said, denying that my dad had died for a few hours, and not speaking about it for quite a while, a few days to my friends, or I think it was weeks, a couple of weeks or something before I could talk about it to my friends. But that's what I needed before I could actually go on to find what you need. So it's acknowledge, it's important, I mean, acknowledge, decompress. It may be that you need to, you know, do some meditation, do some breathing, a million different great techniques out there. And I have a lot of guidance in my books, cleaning up your mental mess on decompression activities. And I have a whole section in my app and here's my app, NeuroCycle, okay? I have a whole section on decompressing. There it is, that little part, okay? Little decompression activities that you can use. And then once you are ready, then you go through embracing, processing, and reconceptualizing. So then you embrace and you process and you reconceptualize, and it's going to look different for every person with the waves. And whatever you're in, if you're in denial, anger, whatever, you go through that, you just accept that. So and when you're ready to embrace and process and reconceptualize, which is different to acknowledging and decompressing. So you acknowledge, you decompress, and then you embrace, process, and reconceptualize in the way that suits you. Maybe anger, maybe denial, maybe all the five stages, it may be other bunch of other stages that you whatever. Okay. In and and to help you with this, I do the neurocycle will help you. If you're doing this for, with grief, I, I walk you through 63 days of audio and video. And you can put the grief, it's the general program, and then you can put grief or whatever it is into that process. And I'm going to do a very quick neurocycle at the end to help you. Some people may do many of these cycles and that's okay. Sometimes, you know, you, you, you may need 10 cycles. There's no time frame. Okay, it's up to you because you're going to go through different stages. So don't think, oh, I've got to be done in 63 days. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying I've shown that the research shows, the mind-brain research, that when we work more or less in cycles of 63 days, which is nine weeks, that's when we get, that's how long it takes to wire new behavior patterns into our brain. So 
each little 63 days is another stage of coping with the grief. Maybe one cycle is enough to get you going and maybe something hits you six months down the line and you do another cycle. Maybe you need to do three in a row. Whatever. Once again, it goes in waves and it's up to you. Follow your lead. Okay. The important thing is that we understand that grief is part of life and it isn't shameful to need support. So many people are ashamed of their grief. Or I've had a, a friend whose husband died within, it was I think it was about five months later, that they were saying to her, you know, you're still grieving and, you know, maybe you just go and get a clinical diagnosis and almost made her feel bad. Like in, she was in, in a religious environment, in a faith-based environment. And they were kind of implying that she doesn't have enough faith and she's not turning to God enough. I mean, there was so much guilt and shame. She phoned me in tears the one day about this. And, you know, we've got to be, sometimes it's well, uh, listen, it's, I know a lot of that is well-meaning, but boy, do we need to be careful. If you're not in that position, be careful what advice you're giving someone or what you're saying to someone. Because if someone's in a bad place, they do not need to be shamed or judged or feel shamed or judged. If you are sad and you're still sad and you need the support, Get the support you need and there's no shame and no judgment. Okay, a couple more questions. There's quite a, quite a lot of things we can talk about here. What can happen if a person doesn't process their grief or ignores it? So I wanted to cover this because this, the, the sort of prescriptive version of you've got to go through the stages and you've got to go through in a certain amount of time and you must heal it to feel it to heal it. As I said, feeling to healing is just the acknowledging part. You've got to go beyond that. You can't just leave it there, and you also can't force that into a time frame, all the things I've said. But there's something called delayed grief, and the the current thinking is that degrade, delayed grief is bad for you. So if you don't deal with your stuff, if you, let's say you've just chilled it for a month or two weeks or a month or six months or whatever, that is that the teaching, the sort of therapeutic approach and what's, what people are told if you're reading popular media and that kind of thing, is that, well, delayed grief is bad for you. It's going to be worse if you don't deal with it. You've got to deal with it now. What's going to get worse? But that's not the case with grief. Delayed grief is not scientific. It's been shown to be damaging and not, it's been shown to not even be an, a, a thing. Okay. So their research for that is completely lacking. Grieving is a very, very complex process. As we all know, that individuals need to be allowed to move through in their own idiosyncratic ways, which I keep on saying. So we, you don't want to conceal intense emotions for long periods of time from yourself and from others. So, and that's why I said acknowledge, decompress. And in the decompress, there is a time that you work out. And then you can do the embracing, embracing, processing and reconceptualizing. You know, this has happened. What am I going to do about it? But it, you need to be able to do it in your own way. So if you've delayed your grief, it doesn't mean that you're not going to heal. That's not true. It's not scientific. So then I got a great question. There were so many, but this, I, I just selected a few. Okay. So this next question is, what are examples of things that teenagers might grieve besides death? And so things like love, loss of childhood. And why is it important to recognize these types of grief too outside of death-related grief? So we all are aware that grief, there's many different ways, we, things we can grieve. And of some of the examples of things, I've got like things like being bullied. You can grieve being bullied. You can grieve being lonely. You can grieve negative comparisons. You can compare yourself to someone and, or be compared to someone by someone else, and that will make you grieve. It's a, it's a loss. There's a, a feeling of, I can't change. It's like, you know, a loss of time. You can grieve like maybe something happened to you, part of your childhood feels like it was lost. Or, you know, you lost some time with a, you, something happened, you lost some time with a loved one or something. A loss of friends. You can grieve a loss of friends, a, a breakup, relationship breakup, loss of connections when moving cities or countries or schools. 
death of a dog or illness or injury, loss of a happy childhood, traumatic experiences. Okay, all of these are things that we can grieve over. So it's important to recognize that grief is related to loss, even when there may not have been an actual death. Okay, so it's that loss and that feeling of regret that goes with it and that feeling of unchangeability that I spoke about in the beginning. Because when it's happened, it's happened. So you're not going to be able to go back and reverse that, but you have to reconceptualize, okay? So people may, sometimes people don't even realize that the deep sorrow that they're feeling is actually grief. So that deep from being bullied constantly, deep grieving or that breakup, deep grieving or that trauma that happened in your childhood, that stole innocence, deep grieving, okay? And we need to be allowed, as I keep saying, to grieve in our own time. So recognizing different types of grief can hopefully eliminate guilt because a lot of people will go through an experience like bullying and, 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 and or something, all the ones I've explained, and you might still be it's you, that deep sorrow that's affecting you and you can feel depressed and anxious and then there's the guilt. Why am I feeling like this? My life's all these things and whatever and I shouldn't be feeling. So, it, you know, we want to allow ourselves to recognize that, that deep sorrow may be that you're grieving over something that's not death, that's something that's a loss of something. I'm sure it will come as no surprise to you that to think well and manage your mental health, your brain needs proper nourishment. But many of us don't have the time to take multiple different products all day long for better brain and body health, more energy and optimized immune systems. This is why I love Athletic Greens. It has just what I need in one drink. Best of all, it doesn't taste like it's super healthy, honestly. Athletic Greens has a mild tropical taste that I actually look forward to each morning when I wake up. Even my husband, who can't stand things that taste too green, loves his Athletic Greens in the morning. With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your brain, your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. All the things. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash leaf. Again, that is athleticgreens.com forward slash leaf to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. The link and offer details will be in the show notes. For example, if someone is feeling broken from something like a breakup and is feeling bad about being sad, so they've had a breakup and then they feel sad, but they're feeling bad about being sad, you know, that's where we can help them understand that they're grieving and help them to identify the pain and when they're ready, process and work through it. And then this I thought was really relevant to today. And can we explain how the pandemic has added another layer of grief to life? Specifically with teens who can't be in school with friends, how has this affected them? Such a great question. So besides the obvious impact of uncertainty and loneliness that you, I mean, you can hear so much about that, but basically it changes your brain, a whole way of life, a whole way of life necessary for adolescent development has pretty much changed. So there's a grieving that's happening around the normal kind of interactions that would have happened, being at school, being at university, going to parties, having friends over, having all night stay up, constantly sitting together and talking about whatever, that face-to-face contact, the hugs, the laughing at a movie, that kind of stuff, those things have our losses. So there's a grieving over that change. Okay. So whatever we experience with the mind 
changes the brain, which is neuroplasticity, as you've heard me say, and the body. So our mind is how we're experiencing this change. It goes into the brain and changes the brain, and it changes the body. And so basically, right down to the level of our telomeres on our chromosomes, so right down to the level of our DNA, we experience these changes. So you feel this. So it's very real. Okay. Subsequently, these so the major changes in the mind have created major changes in the body. And we need to help our adolescents understand this. Like I'm telling you this now, is to say, okay, this is real. This is a real change in your brain. There's been a structural change, not being able to connect with your friends in the way that you did. This is a whole part of your, you know, your normal development that's been taken away. You, you, you need to grieve this. It's okay. It's okay if you feel this in your body because this has not only changed your brain, but it's changed your, your body. And you may feel like, Got ache and, and a pain in your heart. And this is, this is, you know, so normalize that and explain that this is very, very real. But we need to help our ad- adolescents manage this so they don't get stuck. So this is the reality. This is the problem. And this is okay. But now what we need to do is we have to reconceptualize. We are living in a changed environment. So how can we, now that we know and we've acknowledged the pain in my body or my heart, this, this like uneasiness and this, this, this hovering sense of anxiety and frustration and loss and loneliness I'm feeling is, the, is, is a grieving process and it's normal. It's affected our brain and our body. It's part of this change of life. So a change of, of our lifestyle. It's added another layer to just being an adolescent, which is already one of the most difficult time frames in a, in a, in a, in the whole human life cycle. It's that talking that brings the toxicity of what they're going through into conscious awareness. It's not being suppressed. As soon as you're consciously aware of something, it becomes weakened. As soon as it's weakened, it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to go away, but it can lose its sting because something that's weakened can be managed. You get, you be, be empowered. Okay. This is why I feel like this. There's a reason why this is okay. A lot of people are feeling like this now. And then as you work through the cycle, I would recommend doing the neurocycle to work through how to reconceptualize this. Eventually you get to the point where you get the, the reconceptualized new way of thinking about it and look at this toxic one. It's like now hasn't got much power. I still remember how it was. I do recognize there's a change, but I'm going to have to deal with this change. This has happened. We we have gone through a pandemic. We're still kind of hoping it's going into an endemic stage, but this is the reality. There's a change. I haven't had no. So what can I do? What do, what support do I need? What help do I need to be able to see this differently? How can I look at this thing? What are the? Who do I need to speak to? What adults in my life do I need to speak to? What do I need to discuss with my friends? How can I get around this? We need to move through, not just looking at the problem. Okay. So when we constantly focus on the problem, okay, if we just focus on the problem, the problem, the problem, the problem, and how it makes me feel, feel, feel terrible, 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 you forget about the thinking and the choosing that are also part of the mind. So the mind is think, feel, and choose. So if I just get stuck on the feeling of what the pandemic has done to me as an adolescent, but I don't go back to the the, the thinking behind it and the choices because mind is think, feel, and choose. You can't just feel. So if we just focus on feelings, we create a complete imbalance in the mind. So what I'm saying is that we have to, the feelings what tends to be what hit us in the face first, but that feeling is basically part of a, a triad of thinking and choosing in response to the experience of the loneliness, etc. cetera, in, in, in the COVID pandemic. So the COVID pandemic, so that thinking, feeling, and choosing built this thought into the brain and it's produced, maybe it shows up in our life with these very strong feelings and sensations in our body and our perspective of life and, and our behaviors and so on. So we've got to look at those 
and then acknowledge those as I've been saying, and then do some decompression so that we, you know, it's okay, do some breathing, get your neurophysiology under control. And then we've got to take the power out of this. We've got to deconstruct this and reconstruct it. We've got to move beyond just the feeling. We've got to get the details behind it. So I've got to pull this up and I've got to say, okay, so what is this actual thought that this, that these feelings that I'm having at the moment of isolation and grief and so on, what do they mean? What is, what is that? What thought are they attached to? What, is, what are the details of this thought? How am I seeing? And, and as you say those sentences, as you bring them up, as you reflect on them and ask why, as you write them down, that brings more thoughts up. As you're writing them down, you get more insight, you get more ideas. Then you move to the fourth step, which is the reconceptualizing step, the recheck step. And you can say, okay, well, this has happened. What can I do? And then you can get a little action. And if you do this neurocycle daily, gather awareness, reflect, write, recheck, active reach, as you do that daily, you are constructively driving your mind in an orderly fashion through the brain and the body. And that systematic process is going to help to rewire a new thought into the brain and increase the resilience in your brain and your body. As you've heard me say on this podcast many times before, what we eat affects how we think and feel, which is why I'm always on the lookout for great foods for myself and my family. This is why I was so excited to discover Perfect Keto's delicious grain-free cereal. Perfect Keto cereal contains many nutritious ingredients, including almonds, milk protein isolate, medium-chain triglycerides, and bovine collagen. Each serving contains 9 grams of protein and 5 grams of fat, which makes Perfect Keto cereal the perfect breakfast, grab-and-go snack or easy meal when you don't want to cook. In fact, this is the only cereal formulated with both MCTs and collagen. I love that Perfect Keto only uses clean, minimal ingredient formulations backed by research, which are obsessively tested to be keto-friendly and delicious. All their products are made with real food ingredients to promote better health. No gluten, soy, added sugar, fillers, chemicals, or anything artificial. Visit perfectketo.com forward slash cleaning up and use the code cleaning up at checkout to get 20% off your order today. That's perfectketo.com forward slash cleanup with the code cleaning up. The link and details will be in the show notes. So change as the pandemic has presented is a great opportunity to reconceptualize, to look at different ways of doing this. So we need to guide our children to understand that this has happened. Now, what are we going to do as an individual, as a community? How can we overcome this? So let's see the face-to-face contact you haven't had, but you, you are having Zoom conferences or these are, things are a bit more open now. We can do more Zoom, more FaceTime. We can get together in places where we, you know, we can maintain the social distancing things are much more relaxed now outside even inside so now it's really consciously and deliberately rebuilding those contact times if you still are very isolated it's making the effort to really get on to you know facetime or zoom or something like that that you're actually really having that really forcing yourself to have those deep meaningful connection conversations those deep conversations telling an adult in your life how you're feeling encouraging your kids to say what do you need how can i help through this time how can i hear you at home with us how can i help you i know it's not the same as your friends but what do you need can we watch a movie together can we look at some ideas of of sort of the things that were that would normally be discussed amongst you and your and your friends and and I know I'm not your friend, I'm your parent or whatever, but how can we meet that need? How can I help you talk about those things? What movies can you watch? What books could we maybe read together to try and understand what you're going through? Is there someone else that you prefer to talk to than me or something like that? So it's 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 
not just it's really tuning into to your child as a as a parent or as a caregiver and encouraging them to feel safe that they can talk back and then this conversation builds this deep meaningful connection and that's how we can deal with this grief. It's that what do you need? It's that support. Do you need to just you know how, do you need to decompress? How do you how do you want to decompress? How do you want to process this? How, and if it works through the neurocycle, it's going to give more clarity in your mind and your brain. You're going to start seeing these things more clearly. So your words will be clearer. Your child's words and insight will be clearer and you'll be able to navigate your way through this. So it's it's not healthy to just constantly focus on the negative feelings because a negative feeling, one negative feeling will bring up another negative feeling and another one and another one. So we bring them up, but we've got to have a, a balanced ratio. So for every... This is the problem. Okay, can I have three solutions? So, you know, go through the awareness and the five steps. When you get to the reconceptualization, okay, there's the problem. Let's find three positive solutions. Well, let's look at this in three different ways. So try and get a one to three ratio. Otherwise, if you just keep doing this, toxicity pulls up another toxic one and another toxic one and another toxic one. Sadness breeds sadness. Depression will breed depression. So we need to acknowledge the depression, but we can't just get stuck feeling that. We've got to actually say, okay, that depression is a messenger. It's pulled these up. What are all these thoughts that are being pulled up? What are the details? How do I need to look at this differently? How can I get... And remembering all the time that as soon as you're consciously aware, those become weakened. As soon as something's weakened, you're getting the power back. So this thing, I'm useless, I can't do this, I'm not good enough, I don't have as many likes, they don't like me, that will just breed. So we've got to catch that. Okay, maybe you didn't get as many likes, but what does that really mean? What are three positive things? Could I actually do something, say something nice to that someone? Could I go onto someone's Instagram and and, and say something really nice to make them feel good because in making someone else feel good and if it comes from a place of authenticity that increases your own feeling good it'll increase your ability to feel good by almost 68 percent 63 percent plus so it's those kind of things that you can use the neurocycle to find so when you learn to judge yourself not to judge yourself for grief and how you process it you're more likely to realize that asking you're more likely to ask for support from friends so when an adolescent is feeling this extra layer of grief and they don't know what it is, you can verbalize, look, this is a sense of grief. It's a sense of loss. It's very valid. And let's see how we can go through it. You don't have to judge yourself. You're not mad. You're not crazy. You're not difficult. You just are experiencing grief from this, this what's been taken from you, what you've lost. Okay, so basically the neurocycle then is the gather awareness. So you're going to pay attention to the four signals. So what are your emotions? What is your body feeling? What are your behaviors and your perspective? Then you're going to go into the into the reflect step, which is asking why, why, why. And then you're going to go into the recheck, which uh, the right step, which pulls up more thoughts. Then you're going to go into the recheck step, which then is how you can actually see this differently. And then you're going to get a little action that you can do during the course of the day to stop you from ruminating and going backwards. You can find my neurocycle at neurocycle.com, the webpage, and you can get it on iTunes and Google Play, which is a great practical way of helping you deal with grief. Thank you so much for joining me today and I look forward to seeing you next time. I hope you found today's podcast interesting and helpful. If you want more tips and help with managing anxiety, depression and mental health, be sure to visit my website at drleaf.com and to sign up for my weekly newsletter where I also include a schedule of my speaking events and so much more. And follow me on social media. I'm on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Just look for Dr. Caroline Leith. 
Also, I love seeing all your posts on social media about this podcast. I love seeing what resonates with you and what you've learned. So be sure to continue posting and tagging me and letting me know what you think and how these tips worked out for you. And don't forget, leave a review and keep spreading the word about this podcast. Thank you for joining me today. I really hope you learned something new and helpful. Till then, I'm Dr. Caroline Leaf. This podcast represents the opinions of myself and my guests. The content here should not be taken as medical advice. The content here is for educational and informational purposes only. Please consult your healthcare professional for any individual medical questions you may have. While we make every effort to ensure that the information we are sharing is accurate, we welcome any comments, suggestions or corrections of errors.